This is the Build Our Future podcast. We shape our buildings, and afterwards our buildings shape us. A window into the past, present, and future of the construction industry. There's still a lot of unlocked doors. Clarity with design, craftsmanship with the build. There's still a lot to find out and do and invent. Collaboration for our future. You know, I don't think it's the end of the invention. The Build Our Future podcast with Raul Faria. Let's build. Begins now. Welcome to episode six of the Builder Future podcast. Last week, we spoke to Hemant Modi, who shared with us what the concept of spatial design was. He had mentioned the use of a software to implement his five Ds. Well, today, we're going to learn more of that type of workflow technology, especially as it pertains to interior designers. Siddharth Peters, a co-founder of Love That Design, joins us today from Dubai to talk workflow tech. Sid, tell me. What exactly is Love That Design and where did this idea come from? Thanks for having me, Rahul. I've been part of a family business that's actually been in the interiors and construction space. Uh, we've been a furniture dealership for about 22 years today. And from those experiences, I think, you know, there's been a lot of ideas that have come through and just been shelved, like as all ideas. And, and then, you know, you meet somebody and then it bounces off something else. And then the idea sort of matures. We started Love That Design officially in 2016, November, but it didn't, it didn't start off at that point. I think right through 2013, 14, there were opportunities with design publications when we used to go for the award shows. And I think at some point I actually spoke to the people who ran those awards and asked them, you know, you seem to award designers, contractors, but there are a lot of other people that play a role in finishing a job. I think you have the opportunity to actually bring light to what they do. And they said, oh, well, like who? I said, well, for one, I think furniture plays a big role in it. Lighting plays a big role in it. And that was the beginning of the spark. And that could have been five, six years ago. I had no resources to think up the idea. But over time, what I realized was that our entire industry was extremely poor at marketing, extremely poor. We did phenomenal projects altogether, but no one had the time to photograph them because by the time you actually finished the job, everything was all already late. It just always was like that, right? Whether it was the contractor, whether it was a project manager, whether it was the furniture people, the lighting people, there's always some delays. But we said, okay, you know what? We'll figure this out. And in 2015, I bumped into my high school buddy, Ben. And he had actually just separated from his business partner, Avin, who also was a high school friend of mine. Um, they ran a construction intelligence company called BNC Networks. And what they did was they actually could tell you the progress of the building, who the contractors were, the consultants, et cetera. So it gave all architectural-based companies a sort of a lead list of sorts. Anyway, the two of them parted ways. And a friend of mine, Rickson, basically pointed me out to that fact. And he said, hey, listen, it'll be really great if we started a, a mastermind of sorts. And there were three or four of us. So we had a couple of sessions. The mastermind group didn't last too long. But what I took from it was the fact that I was more industry related. And Ben had the business sense and the infrastructure from a programming standpoint as well. Because this had to be a data-based company. It had to be a robust system too. Absolutely. You can't really cut corners. No, and you know, when you look at Love That Design, I think the beauty is in its simplicity. A lot of people look at it and go, oh, it's a blog site. 
But the amount of work actually that goes on the back of it to connect everything together, it's a lattice of connections between contractors, project managers, designers, clients. It's just, it's incredible. So in 2015, December, we agreed to give it a shot. Both of us didn't really know where this was going to go or what, what we wanted it to be. And the question remained was whether there's a gap in the market or whether there's a market in the gap. And the number one thing we wanted to address was all the design publications that were out there were always looking at interviewing a designer or advertising for different products, et cetera. But no one really kept the projects, the photography at the center of it. So we felt that was the gap that was there. And even when we attended the award shows that the design publications held, they give the award based on the project, right? but they never show the project. Right? But you guys have taken it to a different level on your website. I mean, you can really right now dive into a lot of the details of what kind of design style are you searching for. And then when you get to the project too, you can see who the architect is or interior designer or contractor or some of the products too that were used on the project as well. And I guess you're in a sense building a library of sorts. Yes, exactly. So without sounding terribly technical on it, it was a database that was growing and we really didn't have any clear ideas as to what to do with it. But all we knew was at the start, the best way this could take off was us being very particular about what type of images we accepted, what the look of that site needed to be and how attractive it would be for our industry while still keeping all of the data solid. Yeah, because I was wondering, love that design at the moment is pretty much a Middle East kind of regional, shall we say, design entity. So my initial thought was like, man, these guys are flying everywhere to Jordan and this and all over the place getting these photos. But you actually get or have managed to get some of the contractors or designers to submit some of the stuff for the love that design team to actually review and approve and see, you know, is it something different or is it just your standard paint floors kind of thing, but it just looks pretty. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, I mean, I, I can't truly say whether, you know, we're that stringent about the case study as such. Obviously, the variety in, in, in design is important. The information on the design elements are important. But we haven't gotten down to really taking each of those case studies and interviewing each person on it. I mean, we're, we're pushing out four case studies a week, along with interviews and a whole bunch of other stuff. So it's, it's a challenging space the content every week. So would that have been one of your first sort of challenges and how to figure out what that acceptance pattern was? Or was there something else that was probably your first sort of challenge and then conversely a breakthrough in getting this to that next level? Well, I'll tell you. So what we did in 2016, July, August, was we said, okay, let's go and approach all the design firms that I know, tell them about the concept. We put a splash page together as to what it would look like. And we said, okay, are you guys in? Would this be of interest to you? So we were trying to gain interest. Oh, we were already knee deep in it, actually. So, so being interest was a bit late on that. But we were hoping to launch 2016, September, October. And with about 150 odd projects, that, I mean, that was my optimism, misplaced optimism. So we launched November 1st with 50 projects live because you didn't want to come in with just one project and then hope the next project two days later and three days later, et cetera. So we actually came in with a lot less than we thought we'd start off with. Because one thing I learned about business as well is that 
in the beginning, a lot of people say, yeah, we're here to support you. And I, I don't know whether you feel the same way too. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. And over time, you realize that, you know what, you're working really hard to get something on that's free to them. And you're thinking, hang on, it's free. Why is this so painful for you to give something you already have? While I agree with you on certain levels, sometimes when people approach you to essentially provide free marketing, it's not that you question the free marketing. You start thinking about, is this the right platform? Do I want to be associated with this platform? You know, it's new. Do I jump on the bandwagon? Do I not? It's not tried, tested, and true yet. I mean, there are pros and cons to it because obviously the constraints become more strict to get in. So we as business owners constantly deal with that all the time regardless, right? Sure. But you're right. Conceptually, it's a great idea. Then when it becomes a reality, you know, maybe they don't respond to the emails right away quite so quickly, right? Or, or they don't. But things started picking up. In 2017, January, we started doing articles in conjunction with the projects that we were putting up. And I remember having this conversation with Ben at one point, we just didn't have the project. We didn't have the frequency. And we were just wondering, hey, do we just shuffle the projects that we've got and coast for about a week, two weeks till we get project? I mean, it was, it was tough going. Yeah, because you don't want the content to get stale either, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, these were some of the challenges that we ran through. We started on articles, which I think was a great thing. We started interviewing different people, interior designers in the industry. We started interviewing product design, global product designers, which was also great. We had one of the largest furniture manufacturers that's based out of Michigan called Herman Miller. So they reached out to us and they said, listen, we really like what you've got on. Could we have a chat with you? So I said, great, no problem. So, so they started speaking to us and they said, listen, I'm from marketing. I'd like to do all of this stuff. What can you do for me? So we spoke about a bunch of stuff and it was great, right? So I said, this is a fantastic thing. We have an, a possibility. We have a market in the gap. When you've got a large brand that jumps on board, things become a little simpler. Today, we're covering flooring brands. We're covering lighting brands. We're covering sanitary wear. So it's really interesting because after that point, we were trying to figure out what are the additional things we can do. So we started speaking to designers and trying to understand where their pain points were. And what we realized was that when we spoke to manufacturers and why Herman Miller wanted to come on board and every other brand after that point was because they were having challenges connecting with designers because everyone's trying to get a piece of their time. And what we realized was when we were the platform that we were, the brand and the designer were both looking at the platform to meet their own agenda, which was fine. Yeah. From different perspectives, right? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So it worked out for both that we were that ground, that middle ground where you do what you need to. It's a platform. So Ben came up and said, listen, you know, this project that we've shelved for a while, I think it's time to pull it off the shelves, right? We had this idea of what the pro version of Love That Design was going to be. And we felt that there was obviously specifications for the most part on all projects seemed to be going back and forth between contractors dealerships, et cetera, by Excel sheets. And it's extremely antiquated system that, don't get me wrong, Excel has progressed, but the system in, in exchanging specifications for the past decade has not changed at all. Yeah, there's not really one centralized sort of 
catalog, right? Every, every manufacturer has their own catalog or there's Google or something like that. But there's been nothing really where designers, contractors, sometimes you're contractors that there's no interior designer involved. So when clients want stuff, generally they say, okay, send me some Pinterest ideas. And then there's just Googling and trying to see and talking to suppliers and basically it takes a long time to figure how those specifications meet because sometimes it's not just about the spec it's also the price and i'm glad you brought that up because we decided to create a product called spec that was supposed to do specifications extremely easily it used a lot of the catalog that was based out of love that design and actually took us to a collaborative level between designer supplier client project manager Every one of them could actually see some part of the specification without them giving total control. But that visibility that the client would have would be remarkable. The designer was operating in a real-time format and the um, contractor, et cetera, was plugging in prices so that we wouldn't arrive at a point where you do the whole thing and the client would say, well, actually, that's not even our budget. Our budget is half of it. We've got a fantastic head of development, Stephen, that started putting the team together and and the number one question that came up was, what platform do we do this on, right? Because if you've got the wrong platform, you can't scale. And that becomes tragic because then your vision is just too small and you'll have to break it up somewhere along the way to shift gears. So we thought about, we said immediately, we'll have this on Amazon Web Services. It allows us the scalability off the bat. And then we looked at, you know, what type of software platform that we needed to do. So we, we chose our programming language, which is brilliant. Again, allows you a lot of scalability on day two. And we got going. So we, we started off with two developers. And today we're at 10 developers, this system with us. So this is not outsourced. They're sitting with us. And somewhere along the way, in uh, 2018, we actually decided that spec was too focused on just specifications. And what we were doing was addressing maybe one-tenth of a design practice. We weren't addressing everything and, and we were going to be pigeonholed into a really small feature as such. So we pivoted in July, August, and we said, let's take a look at the entire gamut. What does a design practice actually do? Are you talking about like a full workflow style system? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what we did was we said, okay, they are managing time because they're a services-based company. They are managing their leads from start to win from a sales perspective. They're managing the project side of things. So once the project is won, what are the timelines to deliver that project? What's involved in it? What are the resources involved in it? And then the specification falls into it while still managing all their contacts and all of the things you expect out of a, a, a workflow automation system. So I don't think Stephen enjoyed the fact that we changed our minds somewhere in July or August. Welcome to the world of an entrepreneur, right? Things change. And yeah, you, like you said, you got to pivot. Absolutely. And we finished the system of sorts. So we bought it up to about 85, 90%. And uh, in December, January, we picked two design practices that were slightly different. One was a more boutique firm and, and one was a more established uh, design firm that did a lot of hospitality projects, big hospitality projects. So very different types of piece, so to speak. So we said, okay, we'd like to pilot the system with you. So this is what we do. This is how we go about doing it. And the best part about it, Rahul, was the fact that we had the credibility of Love That Design. Three years of Love That Design was being fed into... Um, um, so by this point, Love That Design had already kind of 
taken off. Like it was, it was running by itself. You weren't worrying about the updates or the content getting stale by this point when you're, when you're talking about the secondary offshoot off of that design. You know, great question. Yes, absolutely. I think it was important for us to have a head of content that managed that. And, and we got Lena who heads our content team and with fantastic experience, she's extremely personable and was able to do everything on her own with her team without much supervision. So outside of just the direction of where we wanted to go as a company and what that would entail in terms of content, she was self-managed or the team was self-managed, right? So once the Love That Design website, the library of different projects started taking off, I mean, that website, pretty much anyone can really use, be it a homeowner, a business owner, who's just starting to conceptualize a, a retrofit for the home office or new location, contractors, interior designers can use it. Obviously, once you got that kind of going, the focus obviously is on, I mean, the name says it all, focus on, is on the design. So then you started talking about the platform and giving it the test run for actual design firms to see if this is actual as something tangible they can use or if there's certain improvements that need to be made. How did that test pilot go? Was there some uh, challenges or was, was it like, you know what, we've got something really good here. Now we just have to fine tune it and brand it maybe a little bit better and add a few components that they might need. Yeah, absolutely. So we had the pilot that ran through. And as I mentioned, we were 85% if I had to be generous where that system was. And the hospitality firm, Christina Zanek, used it for just doing specifications. And the boutique firm, Roar, used it for only managing their projects, time, etc. So the business side of things. So you got a nice rounded thing of both sides that you were going for. Absolutely. So they both tested the system and we wanted to make sure that they were constantly on it. And there was that dialogue happening every week. And we were taking in feature recommendations and we were doing stuff with it, which was great. It took us about a year of pilot with them. The talent pool for the language that we actually picked wasn't great here in Dubai. And we had clearly made a decision that we didn't want to outsource any of our coding because we were very strict on what the finished result needed to be. So our development took a little bit longer than it should have, but we took all of 2019 fixing all the parts and, and we're still doing stuff today. But in 2019, December, we actually did a soft launch and we showcased the product. Uh, we invited a few design firms. We wanted to do it actually just before Christmas. And it was great because I think a lot of people then go, went, oh my goodness, where have you been all this while? You know, and I think it's really interesting to see how much work has to go into something like this, because I mean, we're not comparing ourselves to Salesforce or HubSpot, but these are all mammoth platforms that have taken years to get to where it is. But those platforms are also, they're not necessarily catered to the construction industry, be it contractors, be it designers. I'm in the construction world and there's quite a few construction management softwares, I mean, or cloud management softwares out there, but not many dealing with workflow from a designer's perspective and adding in the specification tool as well as it grows and gets more robust. Probably intriguing to a lot more design firms than maybe you initially realized. You know, again, I think mistaken optimism on my part too. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what happened. So we had a soft launch. We had a lot of people going, wow, this is fantastic. This is great. This is what, you know, we, we don't have anything like this, et cetera, et cetera. But when it actually came down to getting our first company on board, 
um, outside of the pilots, obviously. We realized that design firms, actually, this is an interesting learning, design firms are not really system oriented. They're creatives. And at some point, we started questioning ourselves. We built this for the wrong market. So March end, March 30th. So about just under a month back, we got our first customer. And then the next day, we got the second customer. And um, so it's, it's worked out and it'll keep rolling on. But what's really interesting, Rahul, when you pointed out about construction, we realized that the system that we built and we built it in Lego parts that you can actually piece together. And suddenly the product is no longer just for designers. We're building a, a component release that's actually coming out in 10 days time. That will now be for design and build companies. It is a project management. There's a project management tool in there that actually gives you Gantt charts of where your project is, what are the resources allocated to it. So it's tremendous. Construction softwares generally are all to do with timesheets, specifications and drawings that architect or designer do. And it's just for reference, but having a design build component now too, where they've got the designers on board and they're coming up with you know, maybe the 20%, 30% different uh, design. And here's the ballpark budget price based on some of the specifications that you're getting, right? Is there a next level for studio or is it all still just a moving part? Oh, wow. Okay. So when we looked at studio, it was important for us to think global, right? Love that design. There was a reason why we actually chose to be regional for at least on the outset. For what we do, Europe has quite a few platforms. The US has quite a few platforms. And it was important to actually take a look at what our region does, how cagey they are about information, and to create that opportunity to open doors in this space. And so our region was Middle East, Africa, and Turkey, right? Because if you take a look at a lot of the regional managers for the manufacturers, that's their remit. Middle East, Africa, Turkey. So we covered those projects well up until last month. So love that design to give you an idea about how do you push design a little bit further, right? So we've got all this information. 10 days ago, we launched a tool. So if you actually go to our platform right now in the top corner, it asks you a login, which never used to be there. It's all free, right? You can log in, set yourself up, and then you can create a shortlisting tool and you can name your project. And then from that list, you can pick partners based on whether you're doing a corporate project, education project, et cetera. We're not trying to be biased towards who these partners are for you. We're basically saying this is the information that's there. We're curating it based on how you want to proceed. Where your design, either your design or the look or the feel or like I said, location, right? You could have a design in one place and a contractor in your location. So I'm glad you brought that up because when we created the shortlisting tool, we realized, okay, so we've got a lot of Middle East, African, Turkish projects. How do we go next level? And it was important to take that next step carefully. So what we did was we reached out to all the brand partners that have actually come on the platform. And we said, all right, let's start here. Guys, you guys are all global companies. Share your global projects. Let's bring them on and then view mm. that additional visibility on going global, but taking the just a baby steps in the global right. space and not just opening it up. You guys aren't opening it up. You're giving your partners, as it were, your collaborators, Absolutely. the opportunity to bring what they've done 
into the fold. Absolutely. So for the past three years, we've focused on getting projects and then linking all of these products to it because they're on the project. Now what we've done is we've reversed it and we said, all right, you've done a bunch of projects in Asia, in Europe, in North America, bring them all on to the platform. So it's been really interesting because now it starts to open us up quite nicely. And as a result of it tends to feed into Dot Studio as well, because Dot Studio then has the opportunity at looking at some of these design firms and saying, hey, by the way, if you're interested, this is how we manage workflow, et cetera. If you don't have a system, think about this one. And this is how collaborate with all of your partners at the same time. So now Dot Studio is that the Dot Studio website that they can log on to for this workflow management, or is it also on like Android, smartphones, smart devices, Apple kind of stuff as well? Or is it just predominantly a website for the time being? So I think being a mobile product is important. However, when you're dealing with a workflow system, to create a mobile product requires a lot of ingenuity in how you manage where your interface items are or where your icons are. The, the entire UI and UX has to be completely different. And while you can operate Dot Studio off your phone, I personally prefer my laptop or big screen because I'm dealing with a lot of information. What we did with Dot Studio was our UI was built for designers. It's got a lot of white space. It's clean, it's fresh. And it's not like they're looking for specifications on their phone when they're out and about. Whereas like for me in construction, if I'm on a job site, I need to take a photo of an issue and upload it to the project. That way I can send it over to the architect. So for you, they normally are sitting down working on a project in order to get some of these other things. So in effect, it might not make sense to go down that mobile route, at least right now. You know, Raul, I think that will be there regardless. Mobility is important. It's just important to understand if you've got all that information on a rectangular phone that's this size, what information is absolutely necessary to put on there? Because we've got a lot of information. The number one reason why we feel Dot Studio will be successful is because it's not crowded. It doesn't make a designer feel like I'm dealing with an Excel sheet, which actually makes a lot of people anxious, right? So what we've done is we've laid it out really beautifully. You can see the workflow step-by-step step where you are, what needs to happen, where your notifications are, et cetera. And I think the phone app is available today. I just don't think it's the friendliest version for what we do. Fair enough. Now, jumping back to the website, how has the website maybe improved or changed the visibility of some of your collaborators' projects or products out there? Have they noticed like uh, more of a visibility, at least in the Middle Eastern market, that has basically kind of changed how us as consumers or designers look at other projects or different ideas that now they can incorporate into, say, a bohemian style or a more of a rustic look and feel. It might be a new product that they weren't aware of or they conceptualized, but now they see it. Has it changed that sort of visibility? So I think today our content is probably what pulls people in. Yes, there's visibility on projects and the feature image of every project. I mean, you probably see just a little bit of a scroll down. We've got a, a Maldivian project, which looks stunning. But we've got interviews from people you'd recognize in the industry if you're from this region today. So I think a lot of that is where the pull is. But just to give you an idea about concepts. So what was key about us actually launching this tool 10 days ago 
the shortlisting tool or, or shortlisting your partners was because that was the first step among many that we're building for a user's experience, right? Our next thing is we're actually going to have automated mood boards where I need an idea. I can't think of anything. I'm going to do a residential project and I need something for my house. Have I got an apartment? Have I got a villa? And sort of break it down like that. And when you go through those step processes, it actually brings the information to you. Here's a piece for you. Now you can remove and exchange stuff as and when you, you wish here some other ideas that you could drop. So we're basically saying we're not leaving it up to you to then go, okay, I know you're a client or a user, but you still might need some help. So we're building engines to be able to pull on stuff based on clients wants and needs or personal wants and needs, and then start saying, yay, nay, this is what they're looking for. Okay. Prices know when that capability comes up, right? Exactly. So we've got that coming in at the tail end of June, which is also exciting, but there's a lot of exciting stuff now too. I mean, obviously we're, we've been all in our houses as a result of the pandemic. And I tend to look at, summers, just generally summers as, as great growing moments, right? While a lot of people are out vacationing, we tend to do the most amount of growing during the summer. We come up with the most amount of tools, etc. However, the pandemic has actually accelerated all of this stuff. It's interesting because you, you know, a few things with the love that design.com and now the dot studio, how you were saying initially you had so many expectations and maybe they weren't met initially. What I've noticed too, just like what we're going through now, everything to do with construction, be it, you know, the contractor, the designer, the supplier, or architects, we're pretty stuck in our ways when it comes to operationally speaking, the way we do things, right? We might come up with creative ideas on design, but operationally in terms of workflow platforms, we're pretty stuck in our ways for whatever reason. And this time right now has been interesting because I've had the opportunity as well with the added time to review a lot more other cloud project management softwares out there and not just Google the, the large ones, but there are other options. And maybe this is the time where some of these designers take it because with the workflow automation, the timesheets, like you mentioned, and everyone being remote, they're kind of forced to keep a track of hours and work and progress on a remote level. And uh, what better way to have a, a software that might actually facilitate that? And the funny part is once we get out of this, more than likely that sticks. It's changing habits at the end of the day. Yeah, so I think you're right in that space. However, I've had to check my optimism almost every single time, right? And I think the optimism again was, hey, you've got a pandemic, remote working is, is out there, and managing companies remotely using a system makes a tremendous amount of sense. But what you don't take into account as a result of that is the fear, right? When you're worried about whether your project is going to be there when you come out of this or whether you're going to win any new projects, you tend to hold back on expenses too. It's the right decision to make to go in for a system, but the timing is also painful, right? So I think we've made a good case to have a system, but I think we've all got to come out of it a little bit for people to be a little bit more forward thinking. But you've got to understand interior designers are creatives. So as it is, getting a system is going against their grain. This has helped make that decision in the right direction. However, the timing is a bit of a pause. So do you think that the industry or the design industry, I guess, would 
change to go to a more like a digital platform, uh, something like what the Dot Studio side is doing, or do you think it's going to be like a slower kind of trend? I mean, we're all. I mean, everything is going digital nowadays anyway. Eventually, it would get there, but do you think it'll change? I'll tell you what I do think. I'm actually glad we started when we did. We had the system ready. That's the best part. The only thing that we didn't have happen was get enough time to really get off the ground, which is okay. So when companies do come out of it, and you know, as I mentioned to you a little bit earlier too, we've just got the okay to, to step out, albeit during the daytime, but step out. And I think people will, will look at that as optimism and things coming back to a new normal, but coming back, you know, them looking at systems and say, you know, do we really need something like this? Because guess what? My world just got turned upside down is my way of working. So I think, I think from that perspective, I do know that a lot of the things that we did, we've done it earlier in the time and it took us a lot of time, money, resource to put in on a bet, right? We felt that there was a gap. We built for that gap and it was a better part of two years for Dot Studio to come out. You know, I mean, from a consumer side of things, I actually, even though I'm, I'm here in Canada, I go on the lovethatdesign.com website a fair bit because I love looking at some of the design concepts and stuff that are out there. It seems like there are certain portions of the Middle East that are really, really on this unique design. I don't know if it's surge is the right word, but this design edge, shall we say, that they're kind of pushing the limits at times. But then now to see how it's expanded to the platform version, which I think has amazing potential with the amount of integrations with accounting softwares and file sharing systems. And you can name a ton of other stuff there. I have a gentleman coming on talking about BIM technologies, and that could be very beneficial from a designer slash engineer perspective, seeing how the parts go together and okay, what can they change? What can they not change? How is it going to have an impact? So there's, there's a huge growth potential on the platform side. So I'm glad you mentioned BIM, right? Because BIM is the answer to, well, a lot of questions in construction, right? So for a lot of people, obviously that is the answer. And, and again, in the research report that I, I sent across to you earlier today as well, it talks about how contractors feel that BIM is it. If you're not building in BIM, then we're basically saying, hey, we don't have full visibility into what that project's going to look like. And designers have taken a long time to get clued on. They've, I mean, for them now, they've been asked to build in Revit, which is again, a big system. And what we've realized today is that while Studio does X, Y, Z, it needs to make sure that the integrations are with these kind of systems, right? Sure, we need to integrate with document management systems, whether that's at its crude form, Dropbox, et cetera and then connect to Revit, CAD, where they've probably built the entire plan out. They've got the products in there. With They've got the numbering, the quantities. It's all built in. How do we take that out, put it into a schedule, collaborate on that schedule, get the information back on what the real pricing is on ground, and send it to the client? You know, it's paid dividends that we've thought the process out from point one, which is a campaign system right. where you met up with someone at a networking event and you've got a lead and take the lead all the way up to uh, what you have now. Like, that's why I said the, the, the potential is 
I'm sure if we talk in a year or two from now, there might be a couple of the pivots that it might have taken or maybe not pivots, maybe more steps that it's built off of, right? So it's, it's, it's pretty fantastic. It's pretty fantastic. So where can people find you? Where can people find Love That Design, either the website or the studio? What's the best place if they wanted to learn more? So Love That Design is just lovethatdesign.com. And while you're browsing through, if you feel you need to ask any questions on the bottom right, there's a chat icon. You can click on that. Obviously, right now the chat is based on UAE times, but always someone who will come back to you, which is fantastic. Right now, Ian is is amazing at responding and, and getting you the information you need. If you are looking at the software, it's lovethatdesign.studio. So just replace the .com with .studio and you'll have more information about what the software does, how it's beneficial for you, um, what role you have to play. And again, if you have any questions, bottom right, there's a chat icon, click on it, ask whatever you want. That's how you can get us. And definitely check them out on pretty much all the social media platforms, Instagram, LinkedIn. I know I follow them personally and from a work-wise, some of the stuff is very, very, very interesting and thought-provoking some of the concepts, some of the the design styles is not often that you see that here in Toronto, but it feels like it's more common there, but maybe it's just because of the platform. I don't know. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Rahul, I think we'll be knocking on Toronto's door pretty soon. Well, maybe you never know. One step at a time, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Baby steps. But I think, I think we want to see if we can provide value to the industry at large today, obviously regionally and, and hopefully globally soon. Oh, wonderful. So thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And with that, we close another window into the future for design workflow technology. If you feel that a friend or colleague will find today's concept useful, please do share the episode with them. We're available on all platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, among others. Now, Sid mentioned that BIM is the future for construction. And next week, we will explore the many real-world implementations and applications for this technology with Albert Mansour from Planet Measuring.